to the Lost at Home podcast. Here are your hosts, Scott Bear and Jeremiah Johnson. That pre-recorded British lady is a liar. Hello, everybody. This is Jeremiah. Um, I gotta say, uh, Scott is not here this week. Um, those of you who've been listening probably uh, may know that from a couple weeks or so ago. I don't know, whatever. Uh, Scott was like, I gotta go to New Orleans. And I was like, all right, man, go to New Orleans. I don't have to be such a dick about it. He's like, I'm fucking better than you because New Orleans is great and you're not. And then he fucking shit on me. And it was like, I mean, verbally, but uh, so, so he's in New Orleans. As a lot of you may know that because if you've been looking at uh, Periscope at all, um, he's been going nuts in that because, you know, uh, when you're in a gorgeous location, why not stare at your fucking phone like a moron the whole time? Uh, I'm just kidding, Scott. I love you. You probably won't even listen to this. doesn't matter, you piece of shit in New Orleans. Oh, hey, Scott. How are you doing? I like this podcast. It's a great podcast. Isn't it great that we get to talk to you? Oh, shut up, you stupid head. That's like my life. So, you know what? I'm glad I got a week off from shitty Mc- shit fucking... I'm just a little jealous. I'm sorry, actually. I, I wish Scott the best. I've been keeping in touch with him a little bit. Um, Anyway, so he, he's going to be back. Uh, I don't know, He's got a few more days down there anyway. I really don't care. And he's been doing some periscoping. So if you check our uh, uh, Lost at Home Periscope out. On Periscope, we are The Lost at Home, uh, which is actually the same as our Twitter. So you can also check us out at The Lost at Home. Some plugs in there, but what we're gonna do for you today is um, instead of one of those uh, you know fancy digging one up from the vault, I didn't have a chance to go through and dig something up. So we're gonna do a special presentation slash uh, shameless cross promotiony type thing. Uh, a while ago, we started a podcast with Mr. Darren Ewing of Troll Two Fame, who we also uh, uh, interviewed on the show way way back. He was one of our early guests, um, and. Uh, we started this podcast uh, where we pit two horror movies against one another, and Darren uh, plays the great honorable judge. Uh, oddly enough, he goes by Darren Ewing as the judge Darren Ewing. And we're going to actually pick one of those episodes, actually the first one specifically, because uh, to play for you all as a special presentation, it's been uh, remastered a little bit, a couple little tweaks here and there, a uh, new little intro voice to try to get it ready. The reason we're doing this, other than uh, Scott... Being in New Orleans, being in New Orleans, great. Other than that, being Scott, because that's totally him. We're doing this because uh, we're gonna get this going again, and uh, it can be found at horrorinthecourt.com, or you can go to Horror in the Court, um, look it up on iTunes, and subscribe. We recorded three episodes before we had to step away for a hiatus. Mister Ewing, Ewing is busy. Uh, also, we were pretty busy this summer. We're gonna pick it back up again, hopefully for the October month. So we're gonna be rolling out. Uh, the three episodes that we aired, we're going to kind of tweak them a little bit, get them back up and running, and uh, play them from time to time. Um, we won't be going anywhere as far as the Lost at Home podcast goes. We'll still be doing that every week, and uh, we'll be back next week. But we're going to start rolling out some of those horror in the courts, starting with this special presentation episode. Uh, I really hope you all enjoy it. Uh, this is the first episode we pit the troll against troll. It's uh, a troll v. Smiley uh, well, you know what? We'll just go ahead and, and let the announcer take care of it. It's been lovely. Thank you. Come back next week for the Real Lost at Home podcast with Scott talking like this about how great the See ya. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to horror in the court. On the docket today, it's Troll versus Troll in the case of Troll v. Smiley. Please be warned. There are 
now, please rise for the Honorable Judge Darren Ewing. Hello, I'm the Honorable Judge Darren Ewing. I'll be presiding over this, the first horror in the court. And uh, we have uh, two films here that are going to be defended by uh, two representative lawyers. Uh, On one side of the argument uh, is Jeremiah Johnson, who will be defending uh, the 1986 film by John Carl Beekler called Troll. And on the other side of the court is Scott Bear, who will be defending the film Smiley from 2012. The theme residing in this horror in the court will be the theme of trolls. Troll is obviously, there. there is a troll in the movie Troll, and in the movie uh, Smiley, uh, which came out, uh, well, oh, I already said, 2012, uh, there's an internet troll. So it's troll versus troll, and uh, well, I, I, let's just uh, let's dig into our arguments. Uh, I understand, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, you will be speaking first. Correct. Uh, um, I'm going to be uh, talking on behalf of 1986's Troll. And first of all, uh, let me extend my thanks and welcome to Your Honor, Judge Ewing, and of course my colleague Scott Bear here. Uh, thank you to everyone listening today to our arguments regarding the relevance and the menace of trolls of both the 21st century and ancient legend varieties. Now, today I will be presenting arguments on behalf of 1986's Troll, as mentioned, proving beyond a reasonable doubt that the trolls of fairy tales and ancient legend are in fact more menacing and to this day retain their relevance beyond that of Scott's client, 2012 Smiley. Now, Mr. Bear is going to tell you a lot of scary things. He's going to try and convince you that because internet trolls exist in reality, they must prove to be more menacing. Because internet trolls are utilizing the most relevant form of communication today, they themselves must be relevant. I will prove otherwise through careful discussion and evidence. I'm going to show you that reality doesn't immediately equal fear. After all, it's the things that lurk in our imagination. It's the monsters under our bed and the scratches at our window after the lights go out that terrify us from as early as our minds are developed until the day we die. And that everyday potential for fear, not knowing when something's going to grab your ankle when you hop in bed at night, that's relevance. That's something that has burrowed into your subconscious and in present, is present at every turn. That is relevance. If Mr. Bear wants to argue the menace of smiley through reality, well, let's talk reality for a second. Internet trolls, to this day, are loser basement dwellers living with their moms who hide behind a veil of anonymity to yell on YouTube, trying to turn a cat video into a racist rant against the president. Internet trolls might, at best, raid your iCloud account and post some of your nude selfies on 4chan. In reality, Scott's trolls are as imaginary as any fairy tale I've ever heard, and not nearly as scary. Smiley's projecting a fictional fear onto reality, like any good fearmonger or irrational media hype is wont to do. Smiley's troll live in reality inside your computer. So, shut off your computer. The troll is dead. My trolls? They live in the dark nooks and crannies of your mind, so go ahead, try and shut off your mind. That troll is immortal. That troll is relevant. That troll is menacing. Thank you. Very well. Now then, uh, Scott Bear, your arguments for the film Smiley. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Good evening, Judge Ewing, and to my esteemed colleague, Jeremiah. 
we are here tonight to prove in the 21st century which troll is both more menacing and more relevant. The mythical trolls of fairy tales and horror movies or the internet trolls that surround us invisibly in everyday life, like sneaky Canadians infiltrating our borders and stealing our jobs. Jeremiah will try to sway the court to believe that his client, 1986's troll, is both a classic and a true tale of terror filmed with diminutive monsters from the corners of children's imaginations and nightmares. He will tell you tales of horror and warnings of the end of life as we know it, as the trolls from his film try so hard but ultimately fail to take over the world. He will try to scare the court into seeing his side of things, but in reality he will surely fail. The horror that Troll represents has changed. It's evolved. Today's children and their more their older, more feeble parents have something new to fear, internet trolls. My client, 2012's film Smiley, is a compelling tale of the dangers of the internet and the treachery of the trolls that now live there. Anyone could be an internet troll. Your son, your sister, your dad, your best friend. They live among us, striking fear into the world with each keystroke. Smiley deftly introduces us to the darkest timeline version of internet trolls. People who manipulate others, play sadistic games with other people's fears, and ultimately with their lives. True terror does not have sharp teeth and hairy feet. True trolls have evolved and are born from our own technology and our own insecurities and fears. The evidence I will present will prove my client Smiley to be the superior troll film in both scary scenarios that could play out in real life and the cultural relevance that Jeremiah's film fails to deliver. When I go to sleep, it's what lurks on my laptop that keeps the covers pulled tight, not what lurks under my bed. To quote Albert Einstein, it has been appallingly obvious that technology has exceeded our humanity. And quoting national treasure Betty White, trolls suck. If that's not an indictment on tr- internet trolls and the evil that they nurture, then I do not know what is. Thank you. Thank you. Two very compelling arguments. Um, and now I would like to open up the floor to uh, an open debate of which I will be uh, allowing myself to interfere. And, uh, well, gentlemen, you've made uh, two very compelling cases. I have to say that um, uh, Scott invoking uh, the name Betty White definitely gives him an edge so far in this argument. But, uh, gentlemen, uh, I, I, leave, I leave it to you uh, to cross-examine one another. All right, so uh, allow me, this is Jeremiah, to uh, kind of introduce the, the troll movie before we get into a full-fledged f- uh, uh, open discussion or argument or whatever it is, whatever fiery kind of uh, discussion we get into. Um, you know, a couple of little bullet points that was released uh, January 17th, 1986, so right at the top of 1986, the 80s. We all grew up in the 80s. We all, we all did the 80s thing. Um, uh, IMDb rating, 4.2. This is out of 10, mind you, okay? IMDb style. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating, 29%, but that is only based on seven reviews. I'm saying that because I'm guessing if, if it got more reviews, it actually might be lower. I was surprised by 29%. Um, director, as uh, Judge Ewing mentioned at the top, uh, is John Carl Beekler. He is actually an effects master turned director. Uh, I believe from what I read, he, and this is kind of an interesting tidbit that I kind of question is its validity, but cause it's hard to find out where this came from. But the, uh, apparently he was the first like special effects master, primarily special effects person to ever step into the director's chair. 
Um, other people have done it since, actually. Um, he he did a physical effect. Is that correct? Yeah, he he did. Yep, he he was practical effects guy. He did it for a ton of movies right before this one. He was kind of an effects master. He did the practical effects for this film as well, for uh, for um, the first role. Mm-hmm. Um, his some of his related work, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. He also directed. Um, that was after uh, the first role movie, and some notable stars. And here's the thing: when I was doing some research on this, I was. It was nice to see the attachments to from this movie, which I grew up on. I watched this. I mean, I probably watched this when I was seven or eight years old, um, the first troll movie, and seeing these attachments to all these classic movies that I really loved. First of all, it it starred Noah Hathaway, who uh, played the uh, main kid character, uh, the the male kid character. Um, he's best known as Atreyu from The Neverending Story, which was one of my favorite movies growing up as well. May I, may I interject? Of course, yeah. Uh, what is I'll, the... Uh... I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> oh, oh, there there you are. Yeah, it's not my place to say. <laughs> uh, what was the uh, the kid character's name in this movie? I'm curious. Oh, you're not curious. You're, you're setting it up. I totally uh, yeah, setting it up. Absolutely. Okay, let me jump to uh, one little piece of trivia. This film contains the original Harry Potter. This is... The father is Harry Potter... Um, and the son, which is Atreyu, Noah Hathaway, Harry Potter Jr., um, is one of the main characters. Now, this predated J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter, which we're, of course, all familiar by 11 years. Um, now, the filmmakers originally considered suing J.K. Rowling over the use of the character, but apparently a family tragedy in the life of Troll's owner pushed the suit to the back burner, so it never actually happened. So, hmm. nice yeah. nice setup, very good. Uh, but this, Harry Potter Jr. was Atreus. I uh, called him Atreyu the whole movie when I found out he was Atreyu. <laughs> I couldn't, like, every time he would do something, I just couldn't help but shout, Atreyu! But uh, that's just that's just me. I, I shout Atreyu randomly in the street. Oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's like some, it's just what I say when I'm angry at people. Oh, Atreyu! <laughs> Atreyu! <laughs> Falcor! <laughs> um, so, uh, I should do, I, it would be great to do, like, a mashup. Do a troll, uh... Uh, never ending story mashup sometime. Oh, someday. Yeah. We'll do that. Um, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, her first film, film debut. She, of course, mm-hmm. Seinfeld fame. She uh, plays Jeanette Cooper in this. She is, of course, and, best known and, for Elaine. And you, you see, you see her rear end in the film. It's uh, yeah, terrific. you do. There's that one scene where she runs. Yes, I swear. There's nothing down there. Yeah, she's a, she's a wood nymph, isn't she? Yeah, uh, yeah something she, like that. Yeah, she gets transformed in the, in the wood nymph. I uh, I feel like um. For those out there not as familiar with the movie, um, you know, the kind of basic synopsis is the Potter family, the Harry Potter family, uh, moves into their new San Francisco apartment. Daughter Wendy gets attacked by a troll when the family's unpacking. No, There's no real explanation of why the troll is down in, the, in that particular San Francisco apartment's basement. In fact, they even bring up, like, why is he here? And they just pass by it being like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's just that's just San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you buy a place with a troll in it. Sometimes you don't. You never know. So, but you should be if it's rent controlled, man. Take it. Doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, you got to get it. Um, hey, and, and and I don't want to get ahead of you, Jeremiah. Yeah. But uh, you, uh, I don't know if you're going to get to the fact that um, Julia Louis Dreyfus's husband, Brad Hall, is also in this film, and this is before they were married, and I think it's before they were working together on Saturday Night Live. Oh, you know, I didn't even bump up against that piece of trivia. So you, did. yeah, that's good. I'm glad you glad you chimed in on that one. Brad um, Hall's the lucky guy that got to marry her. Yeah. Who did he play in the movie? He played uh, William Daniels. Hmm. I hmm. just know that off the top of my head. Okay. Oh, and the fact and the fact that it's on this screen right here. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. I'm um, totally cheating. <laughs> I'm I'm cheating with both. I took some you know took some notes and got some research and 
and got you know we've got all we've all got our IMDb's up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's with the, the troll. You know, kind of takes over Wendy's form. Um, we find out later that she's actually being stored kind of in a Snow White style in in the troll universe that we'll discuss in a little bit. Um, and she's going to eventually become the princess of the trolls when the trolls have completed their universe in this apartment. They're pretty much going around apartment by apartment, kind of turning each apartment into like its own little troll fairy tale land that are all going to join up into this bigger universe that then is going to, when it's all said and done, kind of escape out into the real people universe and create kind of its own fourth dimension and, you know, possibly consume the reality of the human uh, universe, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting because it's also the third person I was going to mention that's in this. Uh, I mean, there are other people, plenty of other people, but uh, of of good note here is Sonny Bono plays Peter Dickinson, which is an upstairs neighbor, and he's like a ladies' man, and he's actually one of the most hilarious parts of this movie. Uh, objection? Yeah. Uh, in my notes, I listed him as drunk misogynist. Hmm. Sustained. Okay. Okay. So from now on, I will. Okay. So my references to Sonny from now on have to be as drunk misogynist. Because I believe uh, the second. Well, wait a minute. It's... Now, according, uh, I say I see him playing Peter Dickinson. That's correct. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So but I mean, he's, but he's a drunk misogynist. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, he's not a lady in ladies' man from now on. I guess he's a drunk misogynist. Well, my, my evidence for that uh, bit of is uh, that he was a drunk misogynist was that he was. Um, the second time we see him in the movie, he is uh, clearly uh, having a next morning hungover session, talking to the uh, girl he was with the night before. Right. Yeah. As she is dressing in her uh, her uh, scantily clad cocktail dress type yep. thing. And uh, I believe he asks her um, if she wants to stay for breakfast and then tells her where the pancake mix is. That's right. Yeah, that's true. That is very misogynist. Very. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and doesn't he get turned into a bush or something like that? He gets. Yeah, that's the thing with him. That's, this, and this is good. It ties into uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus's fate. His fate, he got turned into like a pea pod thing. Yep. It got, yeah. It, then it's, it gets split open and a bunch of little baby, like weird creatures and trolls those, pop those out. Those were the peas. And it's. And it's actually, I, I, I find that scene absolutely horrifying. Uh, I don't know why. I love I, it's it. A, it's just a terrifying scene to me. That and was I, a scene I remember the clearest from when I was a kid watching it. And because mm-hmm. all because then it's when like some of the cute trolls are coming out, and they're not even, they're not even all trolls. They're just various like creatures. And that's the thing. So he gets turned into this this peapod that gets split open, and all these things come out. And then Julie Louis Dreyfus's character is like. You're the same, only you're like a like a horned up wood nymph now, yeah. and you've you've got some leaves covering you. That's her fate. That's so St- much strategic better. leaves. I've, yeah, I've, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've had some experience with trolls and strategic leaves. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I guess you have. I'll allow that. <laughs> that's correct. Um, I I thought thought it was interesting. Um, in I think it was that scene when all the weird creatures and stuff split out of Sonny Bono. There is mm-hmm. one of them is like a baby Gilman, you know Gilman from the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yes, yeah. One of them is is actually one of those. If you, it's not even like you look closely. It's just when I I think when I saw the movie, I probably wasn't as aware of Creature of the Black Lagoon as I was the troll movie. So I saw that I'm like, that's got to be. It. So I paused it, and sure enough, that was that was it. It has to be. It's, I'm sure it was an homage from from the director and slash. You know, he was also the effects guy. So now, sure now you mentioned that uh, that it's a pea pod that he turns That's into. It's a pod. It's not a pea pod. It's a troll pod, right? It, well, I mean, it's like peas in a pod. Like several come out. It's yeah. a pod. It has various fruit. Right. It's a pea yeah. Pod. It looks like a pea pod. Yeah. Now it's interesting is the uh, the troll when it becomes the uh, the young girl in mm-hmm. the movie early on. The only line it says for like the entire first half of the movie is pea porridge. 
Oh yeah, that's it right. repeats that little pea porridge ditty. It's like that a little she did. jingle, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Hmm. But I thought that was kind of interesting that it very much resembled a pea pod, and the only thing it says at the beginning is pea porridge. Right. I don't right. think there's much there, but I just thought it was interesting. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I uh, I wanted to also mention, and again, if I'm getting ahead of you, um, just uh, well, I'm the judge. I, I guess I yeah, can you do, can do whatever, whatever you want. want man. <laughs> No, but um, <laughs> some some other uh, some uh, other notable appearances in the film, and I don't know if you're get, going to get to this, but uh, Gary Sandy from WKRP in Cincinnati. I'm uh, I'm much older than you two, so I remember WKRP in Cincinnati on TV, and Gary Sandy uh, is from that show. Uh, but the, the the one that I love is uh, that June Lockhart. Is in this film, right? From from Lost in Space, and um, I just adore June Lockhart. So um, you know, Sonny Bono gets a lot of play, and Julia Louis Dreyfus, but uh, June Lockhart and uh, Academy Award winner Michael Moriarty are also in this film. Oh, and Michael Moriarty's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. As, it, as he always is. Except that if you've seen um, It's Alive three. Um, it's the movie that makes Troll 2 feel good about itself. And, <laughs> and, and I think Moriarty is drunk through the entire film. So <laughs> okay, a little I've, suggestion. That's going to make a list. And I guess we could put yeah. that as, as one of our, uh, you know, something for those listeners out there to go check out as well. You know, um, a, a suggestion by your judge, Judge Hewlett. Yes. Um, it's actually, a live three, uh, uh, giant killer babies. That's all I'll oh, say. That's, that's I, I, I actually remember watching that as a kid. I don't it remember it clearly familiar, anymore. But I don't. I, it's alive. But I don't know. It's alive three. I think I, I watched all of them as a kid. They were in the. the I remember it's remember alive. the old VH stores, uh, VHS oh, rental stores. Oh well, yeah, back, <laughs> in the, back back in the day. That's, that's where I saw it. Yeah, back yeah. when uh, you used to peruse the movies by looking at the cases, and looking uh, yeah. at the art, and being like, "That looks scary." That's how yeah. I came across both Troll movies. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, I would always actually I have the uh, DVD right here. I'm holding it in my hand. Um, Troll and Troll 2, the double feature. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that's interesting is uh, for years and years, people had asked me if I watched Troll, if I had seen Troll. And the, I hadn't. The first time I ever saw Troll was in 2007 at uh, the, the Troll 2 Festival in Morgan, Utah, where <laughs> it was projected on a giant um, outdoor inflatable screen. And that the, that's literally the first time I ever saw the movie Troll was... Uh, during that weekend that if you watch best worst movie um, that they showed troll at that uh, event at the end of the film. That was what? 17 years, I guess ish after the yeah. after troll two was even um, recorded. Right. Or, uh, or, yes. Or, or made, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. And people always ask because they always say, well, is troll two a sequel to troll? And <laughs> of course it isn't. It um, is not the, at all. No troll two was originally called goblin and how it came to be known as Troll 2, I can only guess that some marketing company um, decided that there was a better money to be made in a sequel, so well, they just called it that. But the, 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 the two are not related at all. And actually, I wonder if that's something relatively common with, uh, you know, like those over, overseas European Italian type movies, because I like uh, one of my favorite classic horror movies is uh, called Zombie 2, Z-O-M-B-I 2. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like the Lucio Fulci classic movie. And apparently the reason they called it zombie two, there was never zombie one over here. It's just called zombie two. And they actually changed the name, I think to zombie in the United States. Eventually the reason they did that is because night of the living dead, the name of that movie in Italy was zombie. So they actually kind of, uh, marketed this, the second movie by a completely different director as 
a sequel by putting the two out after it, kind of like Troll 2, similarly mm-hmm. like that. And actually, Troll 3 was kind of the same way, um, where they it was like, that one didn't even have goblins. It, didn't, it was even farther off. It was like mm-hmm. originally called like Crawlers or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it has yeah. Sev- actually, right. several titles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, Crawlers was filmed simultaneously with Troll 2. Oh, okay. I did not know filmed that. It, filmed at the exact same time, two different production companies, two scripts. And in fact, my uh, my friend um, um, uh, Patrick Michael Collins is in Crawlers, a.k.a. Troll 3. Right. And I guess while we're on the pro- uh, topic of, you know, you, you brought up June Lockhart. Now, you're talking, June Lockhart was Eunice, the, the older... Yes. I, I say yes. that I say that with a question mark because um, she turns young in the movie, and that's actually June Lockhart's daughter right, who plays and... the young version of her and Lockhart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did look up June Lockhart's credentials, and they go back all the way back to like, 1938. She's been in just all of these classic shows and everything like that. And actually, she was one of my favorite characters. Um, she actually has one of my favorite lines, which uh, you know, I, where I'm actually going to pause for a second and uh, play a clip right now. Come in, Harry. Hi, Eunice. Hello. How'd you know it was me? Oh, I recognized the knock. It's pre-pubescent. So that was one of my favorite lines, and it kind of brings, uh, like we were talking about the, the character development, I guess, actually, not really, but that's, I feel like she was one of the strongest characters and strongest actors in there. Um, and uh, I feel like, one of my other favorites, and this is, again, going back to the attachment to these classic uh, ki- kids' movies that I fell in love with, uh, the actor, I th- probably pronounced differently, but Phil Fondacaro, he played, he actually played the troll, Torok the Troll, um, and Malcolm Mallory, who was one of the tenants that um, the daughter, Wendy, actually at, in troll form, really the troll, befriends this character. Mm. Um, so he, he played both of those, and a couple of fun tidbits about him is he played an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Um, he's the only Ewok to have a death scene, and he later appeared um, with fellow Jedi actor, fellow Ewok Warwick Davis um, in Willow. And with Willow, of course, and Return hmm. of the Jedi are two of my favorites. So Phil mm-hmm. Fondacaro, the the little guy who uh, Wendy thinks is an elf, um, or rather, Troll Wendy thinks mm-hmm. is an elf. And I think that actually a really cool part of this of the Troll movie too was. You know, Torok the Troll was definitely, like, this bad guy for the most part. Um, but there was a little bit of a soft side there where you could remember, if you recall, the he finds out that the elf, well, not the elf, but the... That is so uh, not PC. <laughs> objection. <laughs> of, I, I'd like to call it objection on Jeremiah not being PC enough in the court. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh... Objection overruled. Okay, thank you. Because because <laughs> in the film, if you recall, she considers him an elf, okay? Not my words. Wendy from Trolls words. There are quotes around this, okay? As the quote-unquote elf. Yes, these air quotes work very well in a podcast, chair. <laughs> yes. Um, well, we'll put like a little bell or something every time I'm air quoting. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can't object to air quotes. Yeah. Okay, I, I like that. That's a good... And, and, and by the way, I just want to go back a, a little yeah. bit earlier and, and mention that Ewok death scene is a good band name. Okay, continue. <laughs> wow, you're right. I That's... want to allow that, and I don't even need to say it. <laughs> uh, agreed, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's the, the attachments to my, my characters and stuff like that, but you find that uh, the troll has this so- soft side by finding out that Phil Fondacaro's character, Malcolm, 
has this uh it seems like a kind of cancer or something and he's he's going to pass away soon she gets really sad about that and she's like well what if i could make you you know live in a different body and of course he doesn't realize like oh it means she's probably going to make me a little troll weird elfy fairy tale right, thing but exactly. of course that's what happens he emerges from a pea pod and and there he is <laughs> safe and sound no, you were um, you were talking about uh, I forget the character's name the the main witch the one who uh, takes Eunice. Harry Potter under wing Eunice yeah, yeah Eunice. former princess. Now, did you notice that Eunice in her apartment had a painting and it was of Turok as a man, yes, as a human man, and she was in it as well, younger self. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a portrayal of her daughter. Uh, there was a troll in the painting in one scene. Uh, did you happen to notice what it looked like? And no. this kind of blew me away. I had to pause the uh, the movie to, to get a clearer look. I didn't. Uh, the picture of the troll in the painting that's kind of like behind them as like a foreboding image looks exactly like the green baby style ghoulie from the movie Ghoulies. Oh, yeah. The one that's sticking oh, out which... of the toilet on the, the cover of the, the VHS tape. Phil Fondacaro is also in Ghoulies. Oh, I wonder that connection <laughs> that is definitely there. And actually, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe even John Carl Beekler did like some ghoulie uh, yeah. pieces because I uh, apparently in one of the... On one of Atreyu's walls, when he's um, Harry Potter Junior. I'm sorry, Atreyu is just way cooler. But one uh, <laughs> on one of Harry Potter Junior.'s walls, I guess in the background, uh, the one of the posters is from John Carl Beekler's first movie that he did that he actually directed a piece of, which was called Rage War, which I watched some of because you can find it on YouTube, like a VHS rip. <laughs> it is freaking awesome. It came out in '84. <laughs> There's this random scene because it's about like a dungeon. It's also called Dungeon Master, like a Dungeons and Dragons thing where this nerd with this intelligent computer, which would be stupid by today's days, but it's just a super intelligent computer, goes and has to like battle this Dungeon Master thing and to win his girlfriend back. And you just like randomly, he had like he's playing like metal music and like the dungeon master's like, Oh man. So you want to, uh, you like this heavy metal music so much. Well, here's plenty of it. And then they just randomly get to a wasp concert. It's like, Oh, it's I've awesome. seen this. Really? Yes. So there's yes. just this random reason. They're just like, uh, uh, clearly they could get wasp for this movie. And they're like, well, wasp is big. Let's toss. I them. remember that. <laughs> I oh. Love oh my God. Yeah. It was from 1984. He filmed like, it was a, uh, one of those three part movies where three directors did three things kind of themed. And yes. uh, I haven't made yeah. it. I haven't watched it all. Did you? Uh, for did for you years, just... my uh, friends got together and, and um, we have a, a bad movie night. And we did this for years and years. And that, I specific, I remember that now. Okay. Vividly. Yeah. Yes. That's that's the part that because I, I was it was kind of fading in the background when I was watching it. It was a really terrible uh, like VHS rip on YouTube. But I was getting the gist of it. And of course, then. It was just such an obligatory, like, a way to throw <laughs> yes. Wasp into it. Like, they're, they're <laughs> big in 1984. We could get them for this movie. Boom. You're at a Wasp concert. Oh, Suddenly so blind in Texas. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you also notice the other uh, movie poster on his wall? Piranha 3D. Yeah, there's no awesome. connection at all, but that was the other movie poster on his wall. The kid loved horror movies. Okay. All yeah, right. Harry Potter was into uh, Dungeon Master and Piranha 3D. Hmm. And if you uh, if you look less closely, you also notice that he sleeps in what appears to be a girl's twin bed, which I didn't really understand. Hmm. Did you notice it was all pink linens with, like, white rails? Well, they just moved in. Yeah, it, was kind of, it looked like it was, it looked like it was... they set up the set for his sister's room, but then had to use it for his room. Yeah, it could be. Although yeah. they did sleep in the same room, and that one scene where the troll was in the bed, her bed. Right. Oh. And kept, like, creepily looking at him while he was trying to sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I, I, I had a pink bedroom. Oh, you did? Okay. 
So it's it's natural. So 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 now yeah now you've got no I didn't. Yeah, it was just an eighties thing, man. No, I I had a Star Wars bedroom. Yeah, I I didn't get any of that. Which isn't any cooler, by the way. But well, I mean, it's a I guess a little more fitting for like a young eighties boy. Yeah, Darren's (laughs) like, no, I mean, I still have a freaking Star Wars bedroom. No, yes, I still do. My wife is thrilled with it. I yeah. Oh man, Um, I sleep in an X wing. That's what I. um, (laughs) Wow! Wow! That's got to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's not ergonomic whatsoever. Yeah. I've, I've got terrible back problems, um, but it's worth it because I get to, I get to sleep good, in a Star Wars bed. Man. Use, use the force to help you to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's also called Benadryl. That's it. Uh, <laughs> more of the force, mom. More force. <laughs> um, oh, I, I, one thing, uh, I guess a remake of this original troll movie has been in the works for a while. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have read that, but John yes. Carlo Beekler um, is going to produce it, I guess. He wanted to direct it, but he's working on a conflicting big project, which is preventing him from directing it. And I had to go all over to find out if this was still happening, because the last mention I found of it was from like 2011. But I did find an interview uh, from September 2013 of him saying he was still it was still going forward and they, had, they were in production or something like that. So. Um, I yeah I remember hearing that because people were asking me if I was going to be involved in it and I'm like why would I be involved in it I have yeah, I it have was, no idea <laughs> it was um, not but, attached to our movie whatsoever well yeah. I, but I'm also curious why uh, do a remake um, I I don't think it was a big hit when it came out was it no it looked like the box office gross was I mean I guess when it came out it was like number nine at the box office when it opened. Um, but it only it was made for like set between seven hundred thousand and a million bucks. It only made yeah. like five or six million um, total, which I mean, I mean, percentage wise isn't bad, but it's not a, a big chunk of money. To be honest, that's the kind of film that you would have rented anyway, over going to see in the theaters. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's definitely that's like a horror rental. Like you grab five videos for the price of three at your local video store, that's, and that's, that's just how I saw one it. Yeah. Yeah. five movies for five days for five dollars at Ormsby's, man. I remember and those I, days. I, I, yeah. And I think I think that's it's like Eddie and the Cruisers. It was not a box office smash, but it became a hit because of VHS. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, and then of course over the years became its own cult classic, only to be, of course, uh, outweighed by the cult uh, status of the unrelated sequel, Troll Two. Of course, uh, object, right. objection, pandering, uh, to, pa- pandering to the judge. Uh, oh, no, of one of my over, favorite movies, overruled. <laughs> Uh, great. All right. Pandering to the judge is absolutely allowed it, from here on. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And encouraged. Okay, good. Um, yeah, there's a, uh, 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 let's see here. Uh, oh, here, I've got a, okay, we talked about Moriarty and his character. He really didn't get a lot of play in this movie. He was kind of like just a doofus, just like, okay, mm-hmm. every once in a while, popped in and out. But I love the obligatory 1980s dance scene for no apparent reason, reason where he just dances to summertime blues. I remember that scene from when I was a kid. I was yeah. waiting for it again when I was watching it. Now, it was absolutely unnecessary if you watch it. There was no reason for that. I'm wondering... It, like, I would like to say it humanized the characters and made you like them more, but these but were characters one, that were never in any mortal danger. The, the parents in this movie were oblivious They didn't know everything. anything. Yeah, until they were like, clueless. Until, like, tentacles of, uh, like, ferns were coming out of the top of the house. They were like, where's our kids? I don't know. Playing with oh, trolls or something. They barely even <laughs> saw that. They opened their front door of their apartment several times. Yeah. And, like, the world kept changing. But They're just, like, yeah, peeked out. They're not out here, so they're probably safe. Creak. Yeah. No, it was the cops who saw the vines coming out of the roof of the house at the end. Yeah. I love how they, when the vines disappeared, their justification for it, they're like, oh, 
Uh, I guess there was a stereo that was too loud in this neighborhood. <laughs> it was probably a stereo. Yeah, yeah. it's like there, how did how did that visual thing you just saw yeah. translate to something you might have heard? Wasp, well, yeah, uh, wasp showed up. <laughs> wasp showed up. Did a roof concert. <laughs> Off to the donut shop. Too bad we couldn't, couldn't get yeah. Ernie Hudson to do this, but <laughs> it was classic. Uh, I mean, they had a lot of those classic tropes from the '80s movies. I, I really like, but that was that was one of them. And I was wondering, like, I mean. It served no cinematic purpose, so I was wondering, like, why it stayed in. If it, I mean, it, it, I think like every '80s movie had to have like, a dance an obligatory scene. dance scene. Yeah. Actually, Troll Two had one. If you recall, there's oh, the, yeah. the, the the more of a workout scene, right? Like Connie, that, yes. Oh my god, I love that. The oh yeah, her intense workout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yep. Holly dance. Yeah, <laughs> classic. There's some more pandering for you, but you can't. Uh, you Excellent. Can't I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, here, here. Very good. Um, Wait a minute, also, is that a judge thing to say? Here, here. I don't think that's a judge thing to say. Oh, uh, yeah, it can be. All, All right, right, I'll uh, allow it. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. Yeah. All right. Um, I was I was also a big fan of the. There's like the again. This I feel like is something that goes into fantasy movies and stuff. Is the Henson esque troll sing along randomly. They're just like we are trolls and doodly do do doodly mm-hmm. do and then she blows like a horn. Yep. And nobody else in the apartment hears the really loud horn, but the trolls do and they back off. Well us hearing the horn was just for um uh, effect. I'm guessing it's more like a dog whistle. Okay. Like <laughs> low pitch. Yeah, it was like, something that they could only hear. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it, it had a, a pretty hefty tone to it. Um, gotta love the Henson esque troll sing along. Reminded me of something you see out of like uh the labyrinth or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the and the Casio synthy yeah. uh, soundtrack. It it it, it, it is a very much a, an eighties movie, which yeah. is why I I don't quite get. Uh, and now it would probably be like a rap or something or some dubstep. Or- <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about all these trolls today, dude. Yeah, <laughs> which, that was actually like ninety two or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, in in the eighties, every hit song had to have a rap breakdown in the middle of it yeah, you know? right a yeah. bridge of it Paul, yeah a bridge it had to have a rap bridge paul abdul did a, a single had to have a, a rap breakdown in it and so yeah, yeah. It, it it hits it hits all of those marks and this you know it came out a full year after um back to the future um obviously one of the best representations of of 80 cinema ever um which holds up very well by the way that's still yeah it that's does doesn't it yeah I, I rewatched it like about two months ago it's just great fun to watch, and he's uh, Zemeckis is one of my favorite directors. But I digress. All right, Jeremiah. Okay, um, uh, I believe we've we've uh, been uh, we're we're up to our uh, time limit for discussion about um, this film. So, uh, is it time to shift gears uh, and talk about Smiley now? Uh, yes, I would love to. Actually, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm 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 the judge, but I put everything in the form of a question because i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> that's such a judge thing to say <laughs> your honor you you're very confused honor i do have to approach the bench yeah. i've never never been accused of being very authoritative so <laughs> we're right. just gonna well, go yeah i would uh, i would love to take the floor if you would uh so give me the right to you have the floor all right um my movie is about internet trolls and as before said is the film smiley from the year 2012 uh, this very recent film has an IMDb score of 3.6. <laughs> Out of 10. <laughs> Out of 10. And a Rotten Tomato score of 18%. Uh, 
out of 19%. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, I'm afraid that's out of 100. It's out of 100. I don't think you do percent out of 19%. No, uh, this movie is... And and specifically, this this movie was selected for this particular case because... Because I was uh, wanting to take the idea of trolls and turn it on its head. Troll has two meanings in this modern day and age. Uh, first of all, the horror troll, which Jeremiah has um, bumbled his way through describing, and um, we'll see if this turns out to work in his favor. Cleverly bumbled, I might add. This this might have been a very interesting strategy on his part, but we'll see. Yep. And uh, for my side, I'd like to uh, bring into light the idea of the other kind of troll. And in this modern age, we do have a new menace. On the internet, we have trolls, and these are people who work hard every day to make everyone's lives horrible. Um, sometimes catastrophically, and in this movie, sometimes deadly. So, this movie was directed by Michael J. Gallagher, and had three writers, which disappointed me a little bit, but it was Edward Cooperstein, M.J. Gallagher, and Glasgow Phillips. Uh, Out of those three, the only one of note is actually Glasgow Phillips, who is a writer for South Park. He did 15 episodes, and produced a show that I actually found quite fun, but it didn't really catch on with the mainstream called Code Monkeys. Uh, it was an 8-bit show from a I few years back. I love that show. Back. Absolutely yeah. love that show. Yeah, it was about computer programmers working in the uh, video game industry in the 80s and was entirely animated in 8-bit, so it looked really beautiful. The and, E.T. episode. Uh, what the yes. fuck's an et? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the E.T. The ET episode yeah. of the terrible Atari E.T. games. He didn't see yeah. the movie, so he had no idea. He was like, I'm just going to go in a pit and pick up a berry. Yeah, yeah, it, expl- it explained why the uh, the actual E.T. game from the 80s for Atari was, was so, so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we have all this I'll money to, to go research to the movie. Let's go to the strip club instead. I think they found recently it's a, the landfill in New Mexico or something where it's they were all dumb. full of them. Yeah. They actually recently found that like a year ago. They actually finally uncovered the site and they dug it up and they found yeah. all the old cartridges. Thousands of E.T. cartridges. Hundreds of thousands, yeah. yeah. Continue, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's a great aside. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I will allow it. I know, I'm playing judge for some reason. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'm the one that will do the allowing around yeah. here. Hang Objection. On Scott can't play judge. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the cast for a quick moment. Uh, the lead in this movie, uh, her name is Ashley. Uh, the actress's name is Caitlin Gerard. Um, she was actually in a few movies that have, were of note. Uh, she was in Magic Mike and The Social Network. Um, I had to write in my notes, typecast. Next to Social Network being two movies about the internet. And oh, oh, I was wondering and... where the... Because I was trying to find a link. I've never seen Magic Mike, but I know what it's about. Between Magic Mike and Social Network. Or yeah, Magic the... Mike and Smiley. Those did not... There was okay. no typecasting between those <laughs> oh, two. Oh, okay. So it makes sense now. Yeah, the uh, the secondary actress in the movie, her name is uh, Proxy in the film. Um, shoot, you know what? I did not even write her real name down. Jared, do you have IMDb open? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Well, she's, <laughs> I can uh, find uh, out. The reason why I didn't write down her name is I got excited that she's actually a, a modern-day uh, scream queen, if you will. Uh, she's it, been uh, in movies like Me- Killer Jane and The Den, uh, both notable modern horror movies. Um, is it Melanie Pap... Uh, the, the, the brunette, right? Yes. Yeah, she's Mel- proxy. M- Melanie right. Papalia. Okay. Th- thank you. She's, That's probably she, why I didn't yeah. write it. Lovely <laughs> young lady from uh, British Columbia. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah, she's yeah. actually a notable uh, scream queen of the modern age. She hasn't done a ton of films, but everything she's done has more or less been horror-oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, maybe she's in the typecasting role, but uh, she does well. I actually liked her in this film. Yeah, And she's in American Pie, Book of Love. I saw that. Yeah, that was the one set-aside one, which probably just speaks to her being a young female. Yeah, you the, know? the teen, mm-hmm. sexy teen. Yeah, kind of she thing. just yes. fits that role. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, what I loved is uh, in a very small role in this film is Keith David. Uh, he played Officer Diamond, and he's only in like one or two scenes in the entire movie. But his uh, IMDb is huge. He was in Platoon, Pitch Black, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Cloud Atlas. He was on a couple episodes of Community and The Chronicles of Riddick and Requiem for a Dream. I, I was very, very impressed to see this uh, this body of work from someone who had maybe all of two or three scenes in this entire movie. Amazing scenes, though. But they were... He, he's, he's sort of um, the Raymond Burr character. When they first made Godzilla, the old black and white one, mm-hmm. they they hired Raymond Burr to just come into a room, and you know they, they wrote it so that he could do everything in one day or two days and just sit in this set and do his lines, and then they could say... Um, to the American audiences, um, Godzilla featuring Raymond Burr. Exactly, um, a name. So, yep. yeah, so he's, uh, I think he's uh, kind of the, the Raymond Burr character. Um, they did the same thing with uh, Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting. Um, it's, a, it's a fairly common practice to, um, to do that, uh, to write a few scenes that only take place in one, you know, in one set um, so that you can have a, a, an actor of some note uh, give give the film some weight, and it only takes them a day or two to film, so they can fit it into their schedules, and it helps their, um, I guess their star quality by by saying, yeah, this this guy's in the film. Oh, Definitely, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Why he's like in this one scene with like the same two or three actors the entire time, because you could do that like with the B team over here any time of the year to kind of to, to record those scenes. Yeah, they do right. the same thing in this movie with the uh, the teacher in the classroom. Uh, the actor's mm-hmm. name is Roger Bart. He's actually been in 52 films. Yeah, uh, he I, he's, a, he's a pretty noted uh, character actor. Yeah, I, I recognized him immediately, and I had to go IMDb him, and he was in, like, Harold and Kumar, yeah, I've, I've seen him too. 2, Midnight Meat Train. He was on How I Met Your Mother. Um, I was just very impressed by his uh, his entire role of movies, even though he's someone, when you see his face, you're like, oh, who is that? I recognize him. Well, especially going into yeah, this he's movie, a bad guy. When, when you get, uh, you know, people like that that are, have been, you know, in some of these bigger movies and stuff, mainly because of the way this movie was produced, it was kind of this YouTube guy, for the most part, with his YouTube friends who were like, we're going to essentially independently produce a movie, and, and he was uh, Gallagher, I think, with one of the main the main guy was essentially doing everything he, he right down to trying to get the MPAA approval mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and he you know eventually got like picked up by AMC and they kind of you know brought them into their you know or distributed it for like independent purposes and you could go onto a website and request request uh screenings for your hometown and stuff like that so it's interesting that he still chose to keep all the like his friends and stuff in the movie um and what was still able to like get these like larger actors and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and the, the one thing that uh stood out of my mind when i was watching it is um usually for for low budget horror films the acting is um and i'm the last person to criticize anybody about their bad acting but i i and, and I, I will cop to that um right off the bat um but i i was impressed with the the acting um these were some young actors that uh i i was impressed i i think they 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 didn't necessarily have uh, a lot to work with script wise but a lot of times in, in in low budget horror films they will you know cast oh let's just say not very good actors um but i thought uh most of them were were pretty strong i thought they were pretty good performances yeah i agree definitely yeah and and with that that being said too it's um i mean they uh, most of the reviews that i read 
uh, about this, they were kind of scathing negative and almost the, in every review, the only positive thing most had to say were like the performances of some of the actors, you know, Caitlin, the, mm-hmm. the lead, um, a teacher, uh, people like that. So now I'm actually and, uh, and, and, I'm doing a bad job here defending my case. I haven't even actually uh, I've been bearing the lead. We haven't actually described what this movie's about besides internet trolls. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well the, then, uh, you have uh, you have the the floor. Is that what a judge says? I don't know. Yeah, sure. That's what you said. <laughs> That's what you said. That's what, <laughs> yeah, I'm the judge. That's what Judge Ewan says. <laughs> so essentially, this movie is like a modern day retelling of the uh, the old Bloody Mary legend, or even the more recent movie uh, Candyman. Uh, it follows the idea that you can chant something multiple times and then get a reaction from it being something horrific. Um, in this movie, if you go on to a uh, like a chat roulette style. Uh, or Omegle style yeah. randomized browser. It was called online. Hide and Go Chat in this Hide one, and Go yeah. Chat in this movie. Yeah. Uh, you can get someone on there, and if you picture in your mind them dying and then type, I did it for the lulls three times on your keyboard and send it, uh, the killer Smiley will appear behind them and slit their throat or stab them or anything like that. Smiley. Now, what's this Smiley all about? Smiley is a internet created killer. Um, who essentially wears a all-skin mask with the eyes and mouth, like, sewn shut. Okay. And he will just appear, silently kill you, and then apparently terrorize you past that if you're the person who typed it. Because they can see you in the webcam, or he can. Yeah, he can and... see you back from the webcam, and he's like, oh, you, you're, you're, you're next. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. But he has no mouth, so he can't say it. He's yeah. silent. He's a silent killer. Yeah, he pantomimes. And the, the, the mask is really cool looking, I think. I think so, too. It was, it was yeah. a very cool effect, and if you notice in the movie, there were two there's separate two, two types, types of masks. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. the there's the stitched shot one, and then there's more of, like, the drawn-on, like, uh, I, I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah, the stitch uh, mm-hmm. shot one actually looked like it melded with the flesh on his neck. Like, yeah. it, it looked less like a mask. It looked like it was like somebody... Well, in, in part of the the urban legend that they tell, I think at the very beginning, is, or I can't remember, one of them tells the, the story of they actually, like, sewed the person's eyes shut and then carved, like, the smile into their face. Yeah, so it's exactly. actually... That's more like a deformity. And then there are people, you know, there's the smiley in the film that's more of, like, a mask to represent exactly. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the movie centers around uh, Ashley and her friend Proxy. Uh, I think Proxy's hilarious as a name. It's such like, a computer-centric is, style yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they uh, they do this. They decide to finally, you know, do the uh, the the smiley chant, which is just typing it into a keyboard. Yeah, and they uh, they kill someone through it. Yeah, because they they witness it and they're like, "Is this real? Is it not real? No, there's only one way to find out. If we do it." And it happens. It has to be real because it can't be, you know. Yeah, when they witness it, it's at that party they're at with the uh, the four chan douchebags. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the B, the B, where the random board uh, Zane party. and Pedo Bear the anonymous party. Yeah. yeah, basically they're all anonymous members, and they do it on their computer, which actually harkens back to the opening scene before the title even comes up, where you see the girl with her younger sister, and then she has it done to her, and she dies. Um, they they kill her in the later scene. That actually harkens back to that first first right. moment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that freaks them out, and they go home, and they decide to do it themselves. And then through the rest of the movie, um, Ashley essentially alternates between going to class and going home and being terrified by Smiley, who saw her on the webcam and now apparently has it out for her. Sort of like stalks her, yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's kind of amazing, the jump scares in this movie that turn out to be nothing, which um, I felt was poorly used. I don't know if you notice as you go through this movie, but there are, I think, upwards of ten random jump scares. They don't result in anything horrific happening. It's like the guy with yeah. like a like a drinking a beer, looking like he's at the end of a tunnel. Like yeah. He's, yeah. Oh, that smile. He's like, nope, drinking a beer. No, just then, a dude. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Back back in the eighties, it was always a cat being thrown off 
camera <laughs> right. by a grip. So Those it's like poor 80s cats. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's before it, the it's Humane paused. Society got involved. Like it, it, was, it was just hanging there, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it every time. We always called it a cat scare, but a jump scare. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right? Yeah, they just took the cat scare. And they're like, wait a minute, we can do this with other things. <laughs> yeah, and then they, then it became the jump scare. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, actually, the scene you were mentioning was the one in the alley with the the guy drinking the beer. That's the first jump scare, and then she runs home scared because she's being chased by Smiley. Right. But then she wakes up in bed, and that's kind of like a jump scare when she jumps up because it was all a dream. Right. But then it's all a dream again because she's still within a dream, and Smiley's like over her and leering oh, and dripping right. blood yeah. in her face. And then she jump scares again to being awake from the dream a second time and breaks her friend's nose. That's right. Yep. And I just love the repetition of that scene. It's like as many jump scares as you can cram into a minute and a half of film. <laughs> <laughs> it was a challenge, like thrown out to him. Yeah. Uh, the editor must have been having a hard time. He's like, "Really? How much tighter do we need to get this?" Yes. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. The uh, I, um, going back to, I mean, some of the way the movie was made and everything like that. Um. I mean, being this, uh, I, I guess I, I kind of found something. You, you mentioned the typing in the do it for the lulls or whatever yes. in that scene. And I know, you know, going back and forth in the movie and everything here, going back to that scene where the babysitter or the sister, I think both, whatever. At the does, beginning of the movie. Yeah. When she goes home and actually does it, and this is just one of those little quirks I picked up in the movie of, uh, I think you'll go into a couple other little fun um, trivia quirks of problems with the movie or in, inconsistencies or something. Um, the thing that I was confused about is, She's typing it on the screen and it says, you know, you, stranger, you, stranger, or whatever, mm-hmm. which I think it's interesting that on Hide and Go Chat, the other person just called stranger. Not like- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes it creepier. It's like, immediately, I would not use stranger, like stranger Hide and Go Chat. you like, oh, that's just creepy immediately. But uh, but there's, it looks like there's an inconsistency because it types, it looks at, if, when it zooms in, it looks, it says you, I did it for the lulls, did it for the lulls, did it for the lulls. As if it's zooming on in his screen, but it doesn't really make sense, you know, cinematically. Why yeah, I noticed do that. that too. There's and then when it pans back, it's like stranger. Clips. So at first, I thought when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, she has to type it in." But how does he have, you know, if you type it in for yourself, why do you get killed? And of course, it panned back. It was just one of those little quirks of the movie to kind of point out some of its interesting. Yeah, there flaws. was another one of those later on that I thought was hilarious. It's uh, when she goes to the police station and talks to uh, Officer Diamond. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, when Diamond calls over his uh, partner Coop. Coop. Yeah, which also, by the way, would make a great '80s cop show. Diamond and Coop. Yeah, Diamond and Coop. Diamond and Coop. <laughs> In color, a Stephen J. Canal production. <laughs> but yeah, when Diamond, when Diamond tells Coop to bring over the computer because they're trying to disprove her belief in Smiley, they're like, "Oh, you're the girl that freaked out in class today and smashed your computer because she's stressed out." They pull up YouTube and show her that there's already been like a million hits for yeah. her video for freaking out, which is why they can't believe her. But if you look really carefully at the laptop they bring out, it's a uh, it's a YouTube user screen for you managing and developing the video you're posting. Yeah. So the only way they would have that screen open to show her is if those two cops posted that video of her. Yeah. Or had like, access somehow to to the developer the, page. the posters. Yeah. Uh, account like yeah actually posting to it so I'm thinking the cops they posted the video to discredit in, in her Diamond, in case she came in in Diamond and Coop the show that should be part of it it should be like the whole Absolutely. thing yeah. Yes. Yeah, Coop's yeah. running around with an iPhone taking videos of things and Diamond's yeah. posting them online and they use them to disprove cases well I like that like, Diamond doesn't is <laughs> Diamond like, you're out of control <laughs> he Coop won't, he won't believe anything either like uh, in, in Diamond and Coop he can he can carry that on he doesn't believe anything no matter who goes to him with anything somebody could murdering somebody in front of you like well I don't believe 
believe you, crazy girl. And, and he, he disproves it all using YouTube clips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no way you could have. We wrecked 30 cop cars. <laughs> <laughs> that murder could never have happened because this cute kid in video was happening at the same time. <laughs> oh, Diamond. He's were... playing chopsticks with chopsticks. <laughs> skeptical, skeptical Diamond. We hardly knew you. <laughs> Uh, I gotta say, and also when that scene rounds out and they finally tell her to go away, essentially, uh, they're like, you need to see a psychiatrist. And she screams back, I am seeing a psychiatrist. Yeah. And I just think that's like one of the worst back and forth I've yeah. ever heard. Yeah, that's like the worst version of you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I tell you, and, and this is where I get really reluctant is in criticizing other people's movies because I know I'm, I'm in the worst movie in the world. Um, but it is difficult for an actor, you know, if you, if you don't, if, if, if the dialogue is clunky and if it's not working, it's very difficult to pull that stuff off convincingly. Um, it's kind of like when you're asked to, to laugh or to be enjoying some music or something. Um, if that, if it's not there and, uh, you know, they, they had, I guess, three writers, which means it went through a lot of rewrites. And I, I just found the script to be kind of, thin uh, mm-hmm. and it it, uh, it it shouldn't have been because I thought it was a pretty good premise uh, but there were there were so many times when the dialogue was was so stiff and so so seemingly written by three completely different people that it it, it didn't connect on in a lot of places it, it just kind of didn't make the connections that yeah, it was trying to make. I agree with that. Like, if you listen to any of the uh, the monologues by the teacher while he's being uber depressing in all of his, like, four or five scenes, talking about, mm. like, humanity sucking and the world being horrible, and he, he's a real downer, and those lines are actually pretty well delivered and written, but then mm-hmm. any of the moments where you have the main lead, Ashley, and her uh, pseudo-boyfriend, Pedo Bear, there... Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, I called him Pedo Bear because that's what they called him at the beginning of the film, and yeah, about, yeah. about halfway it's through, his they nickname. start... Yeah, they called him Binder later, and I just thought yeah. that was such a bad name, so I just went back to calling him Pedo Bear. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think Binder. He, there was a story of him being called Pedo Bear because on uh, on 4chan, no matter what people post, you're not supposed to report it because it's supposed to be about anonymity and blah blah blah. And he apparently uh, reported some child pornography some anonymous is, members. Yeah. yeah, for for that, and that's where the the Pedo Bear. I actually researched what the heck Pedo Bear was because of that. Yeah, um, and yeah. and that was never explained, and and the teacher doing those monologues were, uh, were almost it felt like uh, filler in a lot of them, where it's like, okay, but you know, cut this with a montage of something actually scary happening because, mm-hmm. oh, like you said earlier, they it, brought it him just, in because of his name, and those yeah. were scenes he could film. Practically by himself with a bunch of extras. Well, it would have been fine yeah. if he if he had been a part. Like he, they, the way they filmed those too is it led it up to me like thinking he was a big part of it or he was smile or something. And it was just like no, that was that it the, became filler material. They do know? that all the way down to his last scene. In fact, when you mm-hmm. the, the very last scene he has in the movie is when she's freaking out and she goes to talk to him in his office to get personal counsel, private counsel. And he has that really uh, weird moment where he's like, "Can you keep a secret?" Right. And she looks at him all nervous. Yeah. And then he opens up his cabinet and he goes, I keep whiskey in my cabinet. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, this is kind of lighthearted, weird. <laughs> and then when they finish that discussion, it ends with her and him having that one moment where he's like, you did it for the lulls. And he has yeah. like this knowledge that he technically shouldn't even have. And it made no sense because in the end of the movie, he's not associated with the killers. I expected it to be kind of like the, the I thought the he leader. might have been yeah. the killer. Yeah. Or yeah. Part of his- yeah. He might as well have been hanging out with uh, Diamond over there on the police station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. seriously. And, and 
I feel like, uh, and then he, I remember it was really creepy because at the end of that, he's like, well, you know my take on it. I just don't care. Like, that was, that was like, the, I was like, wait a minute. And then, of course, the after everything's that? done, I'm like, oh, he just didn't care. Yeah, it was really, just, it was meaningless. That was like, him actually that. just saying, I don't care. I thought he was like being like, I don't care about anything because I'm smiley or something. But no, he was just like, fuck it. I don't care. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and that's it. It was, I thought, a really clever idea. And uh, they keep trying to make, yeah, cyber thrillers, which has become kind of an oxymoron because they usually aren't, they aren't very thrilling. And, um, it, this was one that I, I thought, you know, the premise was really good. Um, where if you want to take a, a similar example, what, what they did with the original nightmare on Elm street, the only Elm street movie that I really liked was the, the original one. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's some, there's some really weak acting in that, but it's, uh, the uh, the idea of you know your your this person who uh, haunts you in your dreams and coming to life was a, a very good horror concept and I thought conceptually Smiley had a really good concept behind it uh, it just wasn't it, it never picked up enough momentum for it to be actually scary and compelling and and I think the character Smiley could be a, a very good um franchise kind of spin-off character uh but there just there there wasn't anything for he or any of the uh, actors to do yeah, yeah yeah i mean you could almost say that that kind of troll isn't very menacing or maybe not even that relevant compared to say like a 1986 troll you know, from a fairy tale objection, <laughs> ba- badger, badgering me. Well, but the 86 troll also um, is played more for laughs and not for scares. And I think the idea of an internet troll is very frightening. I mean, it is a horror movie. So conceptually, that could have been something um like like saw or or uh, nightmare on elm street um it could have been scary and i'm not one of these people who thinks that gore uh or violence adds up to scares but in smiley i i even felt like it was missing some of that it was Mm -hmm. it was missing some of the um you know the horror of someone being stabbed It, it just it was um, True. Overall, it had very few uh, deaths. And then when you actually round it out to the very last scene, you find out that none of those deaths were real. And the only one that was was someone who accidentally killed themselves by jumping out of a window. Well, and actually, if yeah. you watch all the way through the credits, she's alive. Oh, there's, is gasped, there an after credit scene? She, there's, right after the credit, she eyes open, gasps to life. So oh, she's okay. not even dead. But what I did like is uh, hmm. during that whole talk about Anonymous, where they all take off their masks and you find out that it's actually all the characters in the movie... Just trying to fuck with this one character. Yeah. Except, for, of course, for the one you maybe thought was part of it, which was the teacher. But Exactly. Him, but, He's the only one. But including <laughs> Pedo Bear Binder, who was sort of a boyfriendy kind of character. But yeah. I, I do like that at that last point, when they pull off their masks and they kind of explain why they were doing it, they do actually refer to themselves as trolls. And right. they yeah. associate mm-hmm. themselves as an offshoot of Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And Friend how an- group, yeah. Yeah, and how Anonymous <laughs> may not totally like their act- actions, but, you know, this is what they're doing. And then they talk about how popular this is going to be during Halloween, and it almost opens up as a, a like a sequel building storytelling device when they start saying, we're going to bring all these boxes of smiley masks and drop them at different college campuses and leave them there. So when these smiley videos start going viral, 
they're going to spawn this new generation of internet-based serial viral viral copycats. And I thought that was kind of brilliant as an ending. Like it, yeah. it, it really it really opens it up for a variety of sequels. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but by the time they were to that point, and it's a, and it is a twist ending. And by the way. We do tell people that there are spoilers in this. The, yeah, the, right? yeah, 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 at okay. the top of the show. <laughs> yeah, okay. about it. It clear, at, yeah. at this point, right. I guess it's too late if anyone forgot or yeah. stepped in five minutes. <laughs> we're we're going to ruin yeah. everything for you guys. Sorry. You know? Come yeah, on, but, come on in. It, yeah, but by the time they did the twist ending, I just didn't give a shit anymore. Right. I just was just like, whatever. Okay, fine. Um, it, it was just uh, the film was bloodless, and I thought the script was uh, bloodless. Well, it feels like they were almost trying to set it up like the Saw movies do, where they're like, oh, okay, if we set up a franchise, a horror franchise, right. mm-hmm. where you don't need, like, the char- character unbelievably like Jason Voorhees or, I mean, Freddy Krueger's a little different, but, but, but you know, over did, and over. They did do that with the double ending, because it did say we want to uh, spread this virally to college campuses right. and make other people don the smiley mask. Oh, no. But, but, but at the last scene, yeah. Smiley appears in the computer it, and kills uh, yeah. Proxy. Right. And it's real, and the kid freaks out, but my theory is it's the teacher. So they kind of well they kind of <laughs> the duplicated the it. I, does that. I feel like for franchise purposes they were kind of saying like oh this way kind of like with the Saw franchise you don't need this the, they can have like or or even Human Centipede franchise you can have these different uh um, not copycats but like meta. um yeah we're I mean I guess more in, uh, Human Centipede it was more meta but the you know the Saw ones were like oh you're being trained by so and so to you know be the new serial killer you can have these new viral serial killers go to different campuses things like that but they did um and actually bring up a good point here because the real Smiley. Um, is the one with like the carved, the stitched face and everything, and you can tell yeah. the the four chan smileys are in the you know, or anonymous smileys are the ones with the masks. When she actually starts seeing Smiley, she's chased by the one with the stitched face. So does she? Is she really encountering the real Smiley? I think throughout the whole movie there was a yeah. real Smiley, and yes. it at points was attacking and harassing her. Yeah, but there's it, it never really did anything. It was basically a bad nightmare. It never had a, a good effect. Like right. if it wanted to kill her, why didn't it? Because she never saw the real Smiley's face. She only saw like the masked one. But in her. Uh, in those when she was being chased by Smiley, it was the one with the stitched one, like the real one that you see at the end. Yeah, so, the, the the Freddy Krueger. It's almost like she one. had an encounter with the real Smiley, even though it was revealed to her at the end that the real Smiley wasn't real, and it was all these people, you know, messing with her. Um, I also uh, was when researching this, Brad, they it wasn't completely determined if this was for uh, trying to make it more to, to get like uh, attention or anything like that from Gallagher, but he said after. He was posting about this movie, and after he was making it, producing it, that 4chan and Anonymous, like, had sent him some stuff, you know, and posted his personal information online to harass him and also put out this whole, like, uh, fuck off Smiley um, campaign or something to try to downvote the movie and make it, like, I'm wondering if... That if was maybe low ratings are partly due to well, um, uh, uh, other internet I, trolls. I, I, but I, I read look those. how deadly they are, Jeremiah. <laughs> no, but oh my, oh, not, boy. Not, not only are they affecting characters in this film, but in real life they're affecting the film. Okay, here's the thing though. I read all the Rotten Tomatoes negative ratings, and all of them were pretty much just spot on exactly the ratings that we gave it. Like they, a, like yeah. an internet troll would say. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, are you one of them? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, actually, I think that wraps up my uh, my point on the case. I don't think there's anything more I can say in defense of internet trolls. I, I feel like I've stated my case pretty uh, succinctly, and I feel pretty confident about this. So, and I, 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 I forgive yeah. uh, anyone's uh, misgivings about this film and their their poor judgment and not liking it. 
<laughs> oh, do you really feel that way? Well, <laughs> and I see the floor. Yeah. As as the judge, uh, I'm going to need some time uh, in chambers to uh, think this over, and I will be back in a moment with my ruling. If there are no uh, further arguments. None for me. None for me. All right. Which troll has the edge? We'll judge you in find for the classic trolls of old in 1986's Troll. Or will the internet trolls of 2012 smiley emerge victorious? Gentlemen, we both made very compelling cases, very good arguments on both sides. On one hand, the 80s troll which was played up uh, for laughs as well as for scares, um, demonstrates uh, the uh, typical troll hiding under the bridge, hiding under your bed, something that is certainly worthy of being frightened of. And uh, Scott, your argument about uh, an internet troll, uh, an all too real troll that really can be a horrifying uh, situation for somebody is also a, a very compelling uh, argument. And I've been in chambers and I've been uh, deliberating back and forth. And um, before I tell you my ruling, I, uh, I just want to thank you two gentlemen uh, for having me on this first horror in the court. Uh, there will be others. Uh, but for now, uh, I am going to rule in favor of Jeremiah. And here is why. Well, uh, uh, the uh, the troll from uh, from the eighties, because it was played partially for laughs, it lent to its frightening appeal. Uh, for some reason, that troll is a more viscerally frightening troll than the troll in Smiley, precisely because Smiley was it took itself so dead seriously. I think it could have used a sense of humor, uh, kind of like a, a Freddy Krueger or something, and I think that would have made it a more frightening troll. So I, I rule in favor of Jeremiah Johnson. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that uh, decision. Thank you. And uh, Jeremiah, congratulations. All right. Well played. Well played, good sir. Now, now, you guys aren't going to be like you know beating each other up out in the parking lot or anything like that. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to our battleground is court, and we will take it uh, next time around. So. Exactly. We uh, we have another month to uh, to work before we record again, and uh, I think next time when I, I bring my case to the court, I'm no just going to I'm just going to work twice as hard to win. That's right. Okay. Um, right. Thank you, Judge. Thank you, gentlemen. Until next time. This concludes the case of Troll versus Smiley. Join us next time when Judge Ewing will be hearing the case of Ravenous V. Feast, a showdown of people eaters on the next horror in the court. Ah! <laughs>